Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week, as we share with you this week's top news stories in Indiana agriculture. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. Andy Eubank, Eric Pfeiffer, and Elise Koning will join me later. Plus, Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin will have your Indiana farm forecast here in just a bit. But coming up, you'll hear from former U.S. Ambassador and Indiana farmer Kip Tom, who was recently awarded the Certificate of Distinction by the Purdue Ag Alumni during their fish fry event last weekend. You'll hear his solutions to increase ag production to feed the world's rapidly growing population. Also, Valentine's Day is coming up Tuesday, and you'll hear the story of a Davies County farm couple who first met and fell in love at their local John Deere dealership. But first, as your state lawmakers are putting together a budget to cover the next two years, the Agribusiness Council of Indiana is among the groups pushing for more funding for several Indiana ag agencies. We want to make sure we have the best interests of agriculture at heart. And that's Bruce Kettler, the new president and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana, or ACI for short. Kettler says his organization is asking lawmakers to increase state funding for several ag agencies, including Kettler's previous place of employment. We are watching the State Department of Agriculture budget. Of course, that budget goes through the governor's office into the governor's budget, and then we'll see how it gets adjusted from there. The Board of Animal Health is looking, uh, we think about meat processors and the whole concern that we had during the pandemic with the ability to be able to get meat processed. Some of the small meat processors are looking to get some appropriations or maybe some things that go through there. So that may not affect ACI as directly, but obviously we'll want to see what and how that can affect uh, our members. Kettler says he's also been in touch with Indiana's lawmakers on Capitol Hill to give input on federal ag policies and the 2023 Farm Bill. We have had conversations directly with Senator Braun a couple of weeks ago. He asked about Farm Bill priorities and what that would look like for our membership. He asked about foreign land ownership. He's got some stuff he's working on there. We haven't been able to formalize our response yet, but we're close to doing that with Senator Braun's office. Even though Kettler has only been with ACI for a little more than a month, he says he's looking forward to taking his experience, having served as director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture, to help advocate for Indiana's ag businesses. It's a tremendous industry. It's one that we all love. And now being able to be in this role and advocate for those that support, supply, and help our farmers become the most productive, most efficient in the world. It's just an honor, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You can hear more of my interview with ACI President and CEO Bruce Kettler and read more about the ACI's policy priorities at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, speaking of your state lawmakers, Indiana corn and soybean farmers had the chance to meet with legislators Wednesday at the Indiana State House. Eric Pfeiffer reports how bacon brought everyone together. A lot of people think because you represent a non-rural area like Indianapolis that we don't have an interest in what's going on out there with our farmers and that's just it's far from the truth. And that's Indiana Senate Minority Leader Greg Taylor who represents Senate District 33 in Marion County. 
He enjoyed bacon, duck sausage patties, and corn fritters Wednesday morning at the Indiana Corn Growers Association and Indiana Soybean Alliance Bacon Bar and Brunch event. Taylor heard from farmers on a number of issues, including Senate Bill 451 that we recently told you about that would infringe on property owners' land rights by allowing Wabash Valley Resources to use your subsurface pore space to store CO2. Taylor says people need to understand that a landowner's property goes from above ground to the core of the earth. Well, everybody should be protected. It's not just about farmers, it's about every property owner. What we have to do, it's a balancing act from a public policy standpoint. We have to be able to make sure that we're protecting the rights of our citizens, but at the same time, we don't stymie any economic development opportunities so we have to create jobs and opportunities for people. Senate Bill 451 was heard in committee earlier this week. It was not voted on. Instead, the committee urged both sides to try and reach common ground. We'll update you more on that next week. State Representative Corey Criswell represents Henry and Rush counties, which he describes as very ag-heavy. He appreciated the opportunity to meet with farmers. I'm listen, but I'll make my own decisions. But obviously, if you have the, all the farmers reaching out saying this is a good thing or this is a bad thing, then you, you, you probably need to lean on the experts when it comes to that. They're in it day to day. Unfortunately, I have very close friends that's in it. So they do the job day to day. They have the best hands-on experience. Indiana's corn and soybean policy teams are keeping a close eye on a number of bills this session, including one that would provide retailers a tax incentive for selling higher blends of ethanol. We'll have more on that bill and others in the coming days. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. Well, the next time you fly in or out of the airport in Indianapolis, you might want to check out the newest restaurant and retail shop, which exclusively features homegrown food and products made right here in Indiana. It gives those people that connection to the farm. And that's Indiana Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch talking about the new Farmer's Market Restaurant and Retail Shop in Concourse B at the Indianapolis International Airport. The new restaurant and shop serves up foods and products grown, produced, and packaged by more than 60 Indiana-grown members from across the state. We're excited about being that front door for Indiana. People spend time in the airport waiting between flights or waiting for their loved ones to get off of a flight and now they get to go and sample and support our agriculture products. The new farmers market at the Indy Airport will showcase the Indiana State Department of Agriculture's Indiana Grown Initiative, which promotes more than 1,800 Hoosier farms, growers, and producers. It's an opportunity for our entrepreneurs to be able to have markets for their products, but it gives consumers assurance and confidence because it's from Indiana. So they have an opportunity to support small business, agriculture business in Indiana, uh, and we think it's a win-win. Read more about Indiana Grown and the new farmer's market at the Indianapolis International Airport at HoosierAgToday.com. Let's shift now from Indiana's ag news to the grain markets with market analysis from Friday. Here's Andy Eubank along with Brian Basting with Advanced Trading. Up on Wednesday after USDA, down on Thursday and back up and actually fairly strong, especially in the wheat futures market, to close out the week. So fluctuations continue. Talk about the dynamics we're seeing here, especially in the last three days of the week. 
The report as such, Andy, it wasn't that um, uh, eventful, uh, pretty much in line with expectations, a little higher soybean estimate, uh, ending stocks than the market thought, but that was quickly put on the back burner uh, in favor of what's going on in South America. But um, as you mentioned, the wheat market has really taken off here. There's a lot of concern surfacing about the escalation in the, in the uh, Ukraine-Russia war. Uh, Russia has really ramped things up quite a bit here in terms of, of their offensive, so uh, the market is taking note that obviously with the risk being that the export corridor that has been safely transporting wheat and corn may be at risk and even moving into spring here. So um, the other factor the market seems to be taking note of more is that this rain event that was forecast for Argentina seems to be fizzling out a little bit. Now, as your listeners know, weather can change any minute, but um, for the time being, it seems like that forecast is drier than what it was uh, earlier this week. So a combination of those factors here, uh, just adding some risk premium into the market here as you're going to, to a weekend, has given the market a boost today. Is there something to be said as well for money flow, which does seem to be favoring commodities, not so much equity markets? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the equities seem to be uh, in a range bound as much as they can be these days. Uh, type of trading here, uh, trying to decide if the interest rate hikes uh, are getting the job done that the Fed wants or or more needed, and it's just kind of going back and forth in a trading range. So as you said, maybe money is looking for a new home, at least for the short term here, for some return. Once again, Brian Basting with Advanced Trading. Settlements from Friday, March corn up nine and three quarters at 680 and a half. May corn at 678 and a quarter, nine and a quarter higher. March beans gaining 23 and a quarter at 1542 and a half. And March wheat shooting up 23 and three quarters to 786. April live cattle up 32 and a half cents to 163.95 and April lean hogs unchanged at 83.32. And that's your Friday farm market update and review. I'm CJ Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. More Indiana Ag news coming your way next, so stick around. This is Hoosier Ag This Week. The frost is coming out of the ground. Soon it'll be time to roll. A new season, a new challenge. It makes your heart race. Got to plant earlier faster with more on the line gotta make the most of every seed we get it maristem crop performance we know you sell bushels not empty promises connect with us for the right tools like excavator and revline hopper throttle to fight back and get more bushels for less find your local dealer at maristemag.com a chilly start to the weekend, but moderating temperatures are coming right back here. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Weather Outlook. Here's what's going on across the Hoosier states as we move forward. High pressure sits right on top of us this morning, kicking off the weekend with a chill of sorts, but better sunshine potential today than how we finished out the week yesterday. We get onto the backside of this high pressure dome as we move into this afternoon and evening. That's going to change winds around to the south and southwest, providing a little bit of warming as we move into the second half of the weekend. So moderating temperatures on the way for Sunday quite nicely. And honestly, we're going to feel that moderation here late this afternoon too. Temperatures are going to be nice, lots of sunshine in our our forecast. We keep this moderating trend going on into the first part of next week, Monday, Tuesday, looking at partly to mostly sunny skies, above normal temperatures, clouds build Tuesday afternoon, particularly western and southwestern parts of the state. 
Overnight Tuesday night through early Wednesday, scattered showers coming through. Rain showers anywhere from a few hundreds to maybe three or four tenths. That is all coverage around 60% of the Hoosier State. Not a lot of liquid there, but there is some moisture to prime the pump. We dry out Wednesday afternoon and stay dry into the first part of Thursday and then have a Thursday midday through afternoon at time frame that's going to be bringing another round of scattered moisture into the area. This time, a little bit heavier. Liquid equivalencies, anywhere from a quarter to one and a quarter inches. Rain will be here through probably Thursday midday, but what really gets interesting is when cold air races in, there's going to be a good dry slot with this frontal complex, much like what we saw this past week on Thursday. Dry slot coming in and then backside moisture could yield some wet snowflake action. The key area to watch for snow, at least in my opinion right now, is going to be from northern Illinois across Lake Michigan into Michigan proper. But you know, the next words I'm going to say, it all depends on the track of the low. So we're going to be watching to see where this low settles in as we move into the early part of next week. Right now, I think we dodge potential for bigger snows, but we're not out of the woods yet. In any case, cold air, much colder air comes in behind that for next Friday, the 17th, Saturday, Sunday. Temperatures below normal for that three-day stretch. I do believe we see a little bit of temperature moderation going into the week of the 20th. And we're also looking at a dry start to that week as well. A low pressure area forming in the Four Corners region on Monday the 20th will likely be our next weather system here. Midweek, the week of the 20th, we could be seeing some rain trying to come back in. So not a lot of major activity, but still plenty of chances for moisture between now and the later part of February. I'm Ryan Martin. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group are your local farmland specialists. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local Acre Pro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit acrepro.com or call 765-587-3185 and talk to your local land expert today. Day. Again, 765-587-3185. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. One of the major challenges the world will face over the next 30 years is producing enough food to feed a rapidly growing population. And that's why one former U.S. ambassador, who is also an Indiana farmer, says changes need to happen now to reach that goal down the road. At the end of the day, we need to get involved to make sure we protect our ability to do what we do to grow the U.S. economy and to feed the world. And that's Kip Tom, former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations Agencies for Food and Agriculture. He's also the CEO of Tom Farms, which is based in Kosciuszko County. Tom recently received the Certificate of Distinction from the Purdue Ag Alumni Association during their fish fry event last weekend. As the world's population is expected to reach 10 billion people by 2050, Tom says several things need to change quickly to be able to step up food production to feed everyone. First of all, it's in our own nation. It's policy. We need to make sure we have effective policy in Washington, D.C. and across every one of our state houses across the country that allows us to bring innovations and the technologies we need to, to American farms to make sure we have a strong economy and we are the backbone of global agriculture. As far as current efforts to overcome hunger issues around the world, Tom says that better global food security will also lead to better national security 
here at home. We know that people are migrating, they get caught up in human trafficking, illicit drugs and arms movement, and worst case, uh, they get involved in terrorist activities. And that's a threat to the United States and our allies around the world. So we need to make sure that these people are fed. But again, I come back to this. We need to show them how to feed themselves. We can't keep this trajectory of spending going like it is to just do the humanitarian assistance. We need to do both. We need to increase productivity and they need to do it themselves. You can hear more of my interview and read an op-ed piece written by Ambassador Tom about the importance of global food security at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, if you haven't yet locked in a price on fertilizer, decision time is looming. Here's Eric Pfeiffer. Prices remain elevated due to global conditions. Supply concerns were the major culprit for high prices last year, but many say the fertilizer industry cried wolf, with the situation not nearly as bad as what was initially feared. I don't want to do that a second year in a row, but I am somewhat concerned that the grower has not made a lot of decisions about what he wants from a nitrogen standpoint, and we're going to be planting corn in, and call it 80 days. That's Stonex Financial Risk Management Consultant Matt Blaisdell. He says he's not concerned about a lack of supplies, but just-in-time fertilizer may not be just-in-time instead a day or two later with heightened demand just prior to planting. Blaisdell also weighs in on where he thinks fertilizer prices are headed. He says that more than anything, fertilizer markets hate it when there's no new news to talk about. And it's been that way since the holidays. Markets have really chugged lower, and I think that's going to uh, come to an end. Could we move lower in the next couple weeks? I think that's possible, if, especially if we have a grower that still hasn't came to the demand uh, and bought some stuff. But I think our, our downward slide largely has made its move, and we start to much go much more sideways, maybe even an uptick higher. For in-season fertilizer options, Blaisdell gives his advice especially if you're in hydrous side dresser, uh, I'm much more uh, okay keeping your head on a swivel and waiting to make that decision to see if we do get lower prices. I think supplies will be there, so I'm not worried about that. Um, I'm mixed on what making that decision if UAN is your uh, nitrogen choice for side dress. Um, I, I think what it makes sense to do is uh, what I like to do is look at the ratios. So what does it take, uh, how many bushels of corn does it take to, to cover your uh, fertilizer bill? And if that ratio, and you look back at previous years and that ratio is in an advantageous area, I'm not going to tell a guy that he's shouldn't lock that in. You can hear my full interview with Matt Blaisdell from Stonex at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. Well, a Putnam County farmer and crop advisor has recently received a top award. Elise Koning has more. Barry Fisher's contributions to conservation were honored last week with the Certified Crop Advisor Conservationist of the Year Award. The award was given in Washington, D.C. and recognized his more than 40 years of experience in crop advising. I was very surprised, of course, and humbled to be selected from your peers is, is always an honor. Very humbling to be among such a group of top ag professionals. The Greencastle resident says he discovered a passion for all things conservation through 4-H and FFA. When he graduated from Western Kentucky University, Fisher began work with the Soil Conservation Service, which became the Natural Resources Conservation Service. He recently retired from the agency, and now he's president of Fisher Soil Health. Certified crop advisors, the niche that they fill is kind of a bridge between the most sound scientific information that you can find to the most practical application that can be applied 
applied to farms. He says that as a certified crop advisor, he's not only making recommendations about crop production, he's also thinking about natural resources. There's a code of ethics, and in that code of ethics, you kind of agree to make absolutely sure that you are not only a, an advisor for production, but also an advisor that protects and assures the sustainability of our natural resources. He's also been a guest on the Hat Soil Health podcast, which you can hear at HoosierActToday.com. I'm Elise Koning. Well, Valentine's Day is coming up Tuesday, so we'd like to feature an Indiana farm couple whose story sounds like the script to a Hallmark movie. Davies County farmers Rob and Karen Dove will be celebrating 37 years together, but it all started at their local John Deere dealership. I was going for parts and and she was working there and we made connections. And that's Rob Dove of El Nora, who says his wife Karen first caught his eye back in 1986 when she was working for the John Deere dealership in Newberry, Indiana. It's called Hudson Today, but at that time it was called McMillan Implement. Karen was behind the counter doing book work and things like that. And uh, it's just one of those deals where I was kind of scared, I guess, to ask her out. But I did get up the nerve and we started dating, but it fell together that way. Karen says Rob got some help from some of his friends who worked with her at the dealership. Well, there were two salesmen working there and I wasn't dating anybody and he wasn't dating anybody. So they talked him into asking me out. He came to my parents' house and picked me up and we went to Bloomfield, Indiana to a drive-in movie. Then he told me the story about it was a terrible time to start dating somebody because of planning season. I told her at the time that it was probably a really bad time for me to be even thinking about dating anyone just because it was time to plant. And uh, I probably wouldn't be able to see her very much. But she was very uh, receptive to that, and uh, we seen each other when we could. And as planting season went and had come and gone, we got to see more of each other, and then we got married that winter. For some reason, I always wanted to marry a farmer. I don't know why, but I did. One with a John Deere tractor. You can hear my full interview with Rob and Karen Dove as they talk about their love connection at the John Deere dealership at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag This Week. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. Thanks for hanging with us this weekend. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. Well, if it's online or on social media, it must be true, right? No, you know better, especially when it comes to the quality of the beef that you're buying at your local grocery store. C.J. Miller reports. They will just spread this crap that the grocery store beef is bad, it's full of fillers, it's not healthy, it can make you sick. And that's Troy Hadrick, a beef producer from South Dakota, who says that recent social media posts slamming grocery store beef are likely coming from some ranchers who are being deceptive and want you to buy your beef directly from their farms instead. It's ridiculous, one, that I don't care if you're trying to out your own product, your own personal beef line. But man, the last thing you ever want to do is sit here and try and scare people about the beef at the grocery store because most people aren't going to pay attention to the details. All they're going to see is something, you know, well, I saw a rancher say that the grocery store beef is bad and so I'm just not going to buy it. It's the farthest thing from the truth and it doesn't do our industry any good whatsoever. Hadrick says those social media posts show grocery store beef with different coloring. He says there are valid scientific reasons that meat turns dark 
marker, and it doesn't affect the product's safety. All you see is some random picture. We have no idea how the beef's been handled, if it's fresh, if it's been frozen, if it's been out in the air or whatever. So a couple things that happen. One, the color of the meat isn't necessarily an indicator of anything safety-wise or quality-wise. You can take fresh beef and you wrap it up in a clear plastic container and you're going to see it get darker, not because the quality is going bad or it's turning rotten. It's just the fact that you've taken it out of an oxygen environment. Also, when it comes to the social media claims that grocery store beef has fillers added to it, Hadrick says that's illegal. The only thing that you can add to ground beef is seasoning, and then it has to be labeled as seasoned ground beef. But if you're buying ground beef, then it has to be ground beef. Folks that claim that that's happening, I mean, if they got proof that that's going on, they should report it because it's illegal. I'm C.J. Miller. Purdue agronomy professor Dr. Jin Shin Ma has been named the first Indiana Soybean Alliance Endowed Chair in Soybean Improvement. I'm very excited about this opportunity and look forward to identifying the real world problems that are affecting soybean production in Indiana soybean farms. The Indiana Soybean Alliance established this chair to advance critical soybean research in such areas as the creation of the genome editing pipeline and the utilization of phenotyping. Denise Scarborough farms in LaPorte County and is the chair of the Indiana Soybean Alliance Sustainability and Value Creation Committee. As directors of Indiana Soybean Checkoff Funds, she says they're constantly talking about how to move the pile. We need to have the best pile to move to start out with, and, and that starts in the research department. And I think what Dr. Ma brings to the table and what he has brought and what his team of researchers will bring to the table into the future is really going to enhance the farming aspects of yields, production, and having the best quality crop that we can have, not only in the United States, but to show off globally. And Scarborough explains that Dr. Ma is the perfect choice for the position. Dr. Ma has has definitely been in the forefront of soybean genetics, all kinds of splicing and dicing and things that are over most farmers' heads when you're talking about things when it comes to the soybean traits and, and the additional research. And he has by far stood out, and he stood out not only for us as ISA looking, taking a look, but also for Purdue, somebody that we would like to keep on faculty. The partnership between Purdue University and the Indiana Soybean Alliance is a strong one. In addition to funding Dr. Ma's research, ISA funds research for new soybean uses led by Dr. Nathan Mosier, the Indiana Soybean Alliance Soybean Utilization Endowed Chair. When you think about donations to food banks, you may not think of eggs. C.J. Miller's back now. He reports how one Indiana-based nonprofit is stepping up the efforts to get more eggs and more protein to those in need. We talk about two eggs in the morning, change a day, change a life. And that's really impactful when you think about children having full bellies with protein. And that's Danny Leckie, Executive Director of Hatch for Hunger, which is based in Carmel, Indiana. The organization first started eight years ago with one simple goal in mind. We help take eggs from farms. We get them delivered directly to food banks and food pantries. We've now since expanded into a national reach, 60 food banks, 23 states. And we have eggs that are donated from our great partners at MPS Egg Farms and Rose Acre Farms. We also purchase eggs from those farms as well. And in doing that, we're able to get eggs at a discount at or below the budget of the food pantries and food banks to help maintain a reliable supply of protein for their uh, neighbors that they serve. Bob Krause is chairman of the board for MPS Egg Farms in North Manchester. He says partnering with Hatch for Hunger makes it much easier for his company to donate eggs to those in need. It was almost difficult to get eggs to food banks because you know they're refrigerated, 
we light semi loads and they're not equipped for that kind of quantity. So there was always this disconnect about, gosh, we'd like to get more eggs out, but it's not easy to do. The system just isn't built for it. So it was a great combination of a strong group that are looking for ways to get more protein to more people. And Hatch is the way that we've been able to make that happen. For more information on how you can help with Hatch for Hunger, visit HatchForHunger.com. I'm C.J. Miller. And I'm Eric Pfeiffer. That does it for another edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back next weekend. Same hat time, same hat channel. This has been Hoosier Ag This Week from Hoosier Ag Today.